going to be jumping back into Romans after having a, a week off with the McCoys here to visit. And uh, I, I don't know about you, Romans to me has just been a very powerful book of the Bible. I know you can say that about any book of the Bible, but I love the way that Paul has kind of walked through the truths of the gospel just so slowly and methodically, making sure that we all grasp the weight of each truth as we as we walk through and how they all build on one another. You need the first one in order to really understand the next one. And so um, I've been enjoying it. And, uh, and I think it's good to kind of keep in mind the overview or at least where we've been when people uh when when the romans got this letter the roman church when they read it they read it um all the way through i'm sure they didn't stop and and digest it piece by piece like we're doing and so um i like to go back i hope you don't get tired of me going back and kind of reminding you where we came from but uh but i feel like you know it, it helps us to hear it more like you'd hear it as a letter and so and it helps us remind us of what we've already Read so it sticks better too, but it's just you know when they were reading it, they they heard it all the way you know in one setting you know and so so to just kind of bring us up to speed, uh, I'm just going to do another quick recap. He started this book talking about how he's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because the power of God unto salvation, and then in the next verse he gives a verse that kind of gives an overview of the first part of Romans that we've covered so far. He says in Romans 1.17, he said, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. So if God needs to make us right in his sight, that means that without the gospel, we were not right in his sight. And Paul spent the first chapters highlighting that condition of man, the sinfulness of mankind, how uh, everyone has sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we read later that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, I heard somebody explain it this way uh, this last week, that without gospel, without the gospel, without Christ, we're hanging over, he over hell by a chain. And each link is one of the laws. Now, how many of, the, of those links do you have to break before you fall? Just, just one, just one. And, and none, we've all far ex exceeded the, the one link rule that, that keeps us. And so God in his mercy and grace, knowing that we can't obtain that, freed us from that system. He freed us from the system of the law. Um, and he gave us a new system that through grace, that, that by grace, through faith, that we could be saved. He continued his verse saying, uh, this verse 17, he said, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. We have a new system of faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Paul goes on to show how the power of faith to make us right with God can only come through Jesus Christ. It's not just by believing that there is a God, but it's by believing in Christ, believing in what he did for us on the cross. Romans uh, 5, 9 through 11 says, And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, he will certainly save us through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord 
Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. How good is it to be friends of God? Through Jesus, we have received right standing with God, a friendship with God that nothing can separate us from. And we talked about that recently, how that's, basically, that's the grace in which we stand. We're friends with God. We can't be separated from that. We stand in the grace of God. Um, we're free from the power of sin and death. We're not bound by the penalty of the law, but free, joined in a loving union with Jesus. Just as a husband protects and provides for his bride, so as the bride of Christ, Jesus has made us holy and clean without spot or wrinkle or blemish. In marriage, a man and a woman become tied together. They become one in a, in a lot of different ways. Um, but when we enter into a relationship with Christ, we become one with him. And, and that relationship is even greater. In that relationship, we choose to die to our old selves and we're born again. We have a new life that lives in us. We have the Spirit of God living in us. This is greater than marriage. Marriage is a useful picture that, that we see used throughout the Bible to help us understand a little bit what's happening in the spiritual. Um, sometimes it can seem kind of hard when you, when you don't see it. Um, with your eyes, you know, but, uh, but so marriage is useful. It, it, it helps us be able to understand a little more clearly what's happening. But when we're baptized with Christ, it is a stronger union, it is a more life-changing, it is a more permanent thing than marriages. But like any relationship, our Christian life, our union with Christ is dependent upon both participants if, if your marriage is faltering, it's likely that either the husband or the wife is not living up to the covenant, the commitments that they made in that marriage, and that is causing the marriage to falter, to not be as strong. They're not viewing themselves um, as one with each other. They're still kind of stuck in that, that old mentality of, of being single, being their own person, uh, that, that independence, maybe they're reverting a little bit to the way it was uh, before they got married. Those of you who've been married for a while, um, you maybe remember those days uh, when you could come and go as you please. Uh, if you saw something that you really wanted that was expensive, you could just buy it on a whim without maybe talking to, your, talking to anybody about it. If you, you could set the thermostat in your house to whatever temperature you wanted to. <laughs> you could eat whatever you want for supper. You don't have to wonder what the other person wants to eat. Um, you know, you were free to just do whatever you felt like you wanted to do. Um, but if you maintain that same mentality after you got married, your marriage would be a mess. You have a new life with your spouse and when you're committed to them and you're living in a loving submission to one another, it can be wonderful. It can be a, it can be a wonderful uh, relationship that's full of love and comfort and safety and joy and peace. But even those who know that this is true, even when you know that when you live in this submission to one another that you can experience this, that doesn't mean that at times you don't still kind of want to go and do your own thing. You want to 
you know, maybe uh, buy something that you see in the store, you know, that, that, that maybe you're like, I probably should talk to my spouse about, but, but you want to just like, I, just, I should just be able to go, it's my, I work for the money too, you know, like sometimes you just want to be able to do what you want to do. You want to be able to just turn up the temperature and, you know, if she's going to be hot or cold, maybe that's, you know, like, you know, maybe, maybe you don't want to, you know, your, your, your old mindset is like, can I just, you know, I just want to do what I want to do. And so when that happens and you, and you respond to that way, you can make, you can make your marriage a mess. You can take away that wonderful, loving, joy-filled uh, thing and it can become an angry, uh, resentful, um, you know, I want to, you know, go hide in the basement kind of thing. And so uh, it's, your relationship is based on both parties. Now, in our relationship with God, God is doing his part. <laughs> we don't have to worry about that end. And so the question is, is what are, what are we going to do? Are we going to be faithful to our commitment to him or are we going to live according to that old way of living? Um, over the last couple messages, we've talked about how we have this power of choice and, and how it's important for us to have it. Like in one hand, it, it gives you the option of doing something that can make a mess. But on the other hand, if you didn't have it, it wouldn't really be a loving relationship. It, it would just be a facade. You would just be a robot. It wouldn't, nothing would really mean anything if it weren't for the power of choice. And we talked about how through Jesus, through his victory on the cross, the curse that began with, began with Adam was broken. And now we have this choice where we can choose Jesus. We can choose life. We can choose to be made right with God or we can not. And we, we have that option. Um, we, can, we can, even after we're joined with Christ, we have a choice on how we're going to live. Are we going to live as if we're joined with Christ or are we going to live as we're single? Are we going to, like before we joined with Christ, are we going to live that, that same way where we live according to our old desires that led us into the sinful behaviors that result in death? The last couple verses that we read uh, a couple weeks ago, we closed with Romans 7, 5, and 6. And it kind of described these two different mindsets, these things that you have to choose between. So Romans 5 and 6 says, when we, when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law. We've been released from the law for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. If you happen to remember from a couple weeks ago, we talked about how the law can arouse in you evil desires. It can, it can make you have a desire to do the exact opposite thing that the law was designed to do. I gave you an example of a, a hotel that had a balcony that was right by the ocean and how when they hung up signs that say don't fish from the balcony, the number of people that were trying to fish from the balcony increased to way above what it was before they put the signs up there. There's something about the law, something about, not the law, something about human nature's response to the law that tempts us. The words do not, for some reason, tempts us to wonder why not. <laughs> says, do not, and we wonder why not. Um, 
Sometimes something that even seemed boring before can now seem exciting. When I was a kid, uh, when I was really young, we did, there was a, the, the neighbor next door did not have a fence and uh, he was kind of a grouchy guy. And, uh, and I don't think we really realized that he cared if we cut across his yard. It wasn't very wide and we would just walk across the backyard over to the church and we'd play over there. But eventually he got, seemed to get more and more grouchy over time and he, he put up a fence between our property and, uh, and so now we know we're not supposed to, you know, he didn't want us crossing over. And, and I remember uh, it kind of made it more tempting. Like I, I wanted to go around the fence and try and dart across the yard without getting caught. I think even before he put the fence up, there was times where we kind of knew that maybe he didn't want us to. So we would, we would, we would want, even if we didn't want to go over to the church to play, just crossing the yard was reason enough to want to cross the yard because it was, it made it exciting whether or not you could do it without getting caught. You know, um, there's something weird in our human nature that when we're not supposed to, now we kind of want to, even when it was, it was nothing before. Um, the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. And now, uh, moving forward into the next verse for today, Romans 7, 7 says, Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? I mean, it's arousing these evil desires. Are we suggest- is he suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. When we hear that the law aroused evil desires, we can think that maybe there's something wrong with the law, that the law is bad. That if it weren't for the law, we would be just fine. But the truth is, is that the law just exposes the extent of our sinful nature. Without the law, we wouldn't realize how badly we need a heart transplant and how far we'd fallen from God's glory. The fact that our old nature is tempted and even excited to break the law shows how wicked it is. I mean, (laughs) things that weren't even something we were interested in become excited because we're not supposed to shows that our heart is evil, that our heart is wicked, that our our heart on its own is is going to chase after things that lead to death. Um, Somebody talked about the law one time about how it's kind of like an x-ray machine. You know, and and uh, somebody being mad at an X-ray machine, telling them that their arm is broken. You know, if it weren't for that X-ray machine, you know, I wouldn't have this problem. It's like no, <laughs> it just exposed that you have a problem. You know, it exposed what the problem is. The law is not bad. It is uh, us. That's bad. I'm bad. <laughs> My sinful nature is bad. Like your sinful nature is bad. Uh, Rome, as he continues in verses 8 and 8 through 11, he kind of expands on this. He says, but sin used the command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. So it was the sin in him used the command. The command wasn't bad. It used the command to arouse the covetous desires within, within him. If there were no law, sin would not have that power. At one time, I lived without understanding the law, but when I learned the command not to covenant, covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered 
that the law's command, which were supposed to bring life, so the, the law is meant to bring life, but instead brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. So when you think about it, sin at its very core is deceptive. Sin promises you pleasure, it promises you prosperity, it promises you fulfillment, but it results in pain and loss and emptiness. The law was intended to bring life. If you don't walk in sin, then you don't have that pain, that loss, and that emptiness. It is intended to bring life. It is a path to holy living. Just like um, today we have laws that the state enacts, the point of the laws are supposed to keep people from wanting to do bad things, to help protect people. It's not, the purpose of the law isn't to create criminals, it's to keep people from doing bad things. Um, but those who by their own desires and their own actions go out and do those bad things, they make themselves criminals by their actions. It's not the law that made them a criminal, it was their actions, it was their desires that, that brought fruition into action that made them a criminal. That is the way the old nature worked. Um, that's the way the old nature responded to the law was to be tempted by it. But back in verse six, it said that now we can serve God in a new way, living in the spirit. So that was the old way. We could live by the, the, the flesh, respond to the law in one way, but the spirit responds in a new way. In this new life, the spirit that we have in us, um, we, by the spirit, we become drawn to the law with a desire to do it, with a desire to obey it, with a desire to live in it. We have a desire to please God, and the law basically just tells us more and more about the character of God and what he's like and, and how we can become more and more like him. It, it ends up being um, an indicator of, of whether or not we're walking in the new life or the old life. If we didn't have the law, we maybe wouldn't recognize as clearly whether or not we're doing the right thing or not doing the right thing. We're not doing it because of the, the law's requirements so much, we're doing it because we're walking in the spirit and the spirit desires this, not, and it doesn't anymore desire those things. So, so it's, it's following without um, forcing. It's like, it's, it's like being, you're, you're, you're just following rather than being shoved, you know, and you're trying, and before we were trying to shove ourselves in a direction that we just couldn't carry that, that, that old man kicking and screaming, try, trying to go the other way. We couldn't do it. Um, so we can't do it without, living in the spirit. Continuing in, uh, in Romans uh, 7, 12 through 13, it says, but still the law itself is holy. Its commands are holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law which is good cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. Jesus in his uh, famous Sermon on the Mount talks about the law saying, um, actually hold on a second. So we read back in, in verse 10 that the law was 
uh, supposed to bring life. And so um, Jesus kind of starts talking about the law and, and expanding on it because somewhere along the lines, he, was a, he thought that maybe they were going to get the idea that he'd, he'd come to do away with the law together, like as if the law were evil, if the law were bad. But he said, don't misunderstand why I've come. This is Matthew 5, 17 through 20. I did, not, I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the prophets. I don't know if they, they thought he was opposed to it, but he said, I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Now, we just read earlier that the purpose was to bring life. That's the purpose of the law. So he came to accomplish the purpose of the law. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Your righteousness has to be greater than in their eyes at that point, the people who are following the law the closest. And, and he, didn't, he didn't leave it there either. He actually went on and expanded the law. In the next verses, he made it even harder. Um, his point was not that, that, uh, that somehow by, by doing this, that we could be great. By following the law, somehow we could be great. He was basically teaching the same thing that Paul has taught us, is that we can't do it. We can't do it. Uh, we can't follow the law and become great. We can't follow it to the smallest detail. He was teaching that um, we were not capable on our own to have that righteousness. And the, the, I'm sure the people hearing this were like, how could anybody, how could anybody be considered, be considered great in the kingdom if they have to follow it down to the smallest detail? And I said, it, to make it even more difficult, he goes on in the next verses talking about how your anger can make you guilty of murder and how your lust can make you guilty of adultery and how you're, you're not just supposed to love your neighbor, but you're supposed to love your, your enemy and pray for them. And now you're like, man, like I, I thought that just following the Ten Commandments was going to be hard enough, but I didn't understand the full impact of each one of those commandments. I didn't understand that, that murder meant, you know, having this hateful anger towards somebody. I didn't understand that, that just having a lustful thought was, it was like having adultery. I, how, how could I ever, how could I ever obtain that kind of righteousness? The law is exceedingly good, and Jesus was the only one who has or ever could fulfill the law. So Jesus was showing basically that, that in order to be great, you have to live it perfectly. And he came to accomplish the purpose of the law, which is to bring life. By living the law perfectly, he brought life. So he came and he fulfilled it, and then he invited us to join with him, to become one with him so that we could then have that righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And we can put on his righteousness like a new, like new clothes. We get to wear his righteousness. He clothes us in righteousness. The law is a light that reveals both the passion of our sinful nature 
And it also reveals the passion of our new life in Christ. When we read the law, there's a part of us that's like, yeah, I want to do that. And then there's another part that's like, you know, like I, I, I want to do the opposite of that. You know, like we have these two parts of us and the law makes those come alive. They, it makes the distinction real uh, between those two things. And now we're, we're left with this choice. We're back to the, the ability to choose. We have this choice, this decision to make. There's a wrestling match inside of us between these two natures. Um, and we have, to, we have to go through this wrestling match until one day we're called home to Christ. That, that old nature, we die to it. We choose to not live in it. Um, to die to it, to say that, it, that, that it's not there, isn't quite accurate. We're, we're, still, we're still connected to it until we leave this body behind. But it's, it's there. It, it, it responds in a negative way to the law, but we choose to die to it. We choose instead to live by the Spirit. Um, and to leave the old nature behind. Uh, Romans 6, 16 said, um, so going back a, a chapter, it says, don't you realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? If you choose to obey the old nature, you become a slave to that. If you choose to live by the new nature, you become a slave to that. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. The remainder of this chapter goes on to show us what that wrestling match looks like. Um, this, was a, this next section is a section of scripture that when I was in my teens and early 20s, I, I read several times. It was very meaningful to me. It was, a, it was a time where that wrestling match in me was more severe, where it, was more, it felt more difficult. It felt harder. Um, I was still learning how to put to death the old man. Not that I still don't... <laughs> have to go back and, and put to death some things that, that, that rise up. We all have, have struggles and temptations that come back up and we have to die to those things. But, but I remember struggling with it a lot during that time and, and learning to die to my old self. And this, this section of scripture gave me a lot of comfort because I realized that I wasn't alone, that I, just because I was struggling didn't mean that I was not a Christian. Um, it didn't mean that I didn't have a new life in Christ. And contrary, the fact that there was this battle meant there was something in me that wanted to go this way. And then there was something, you know, if I didn't have this part, then there wouldn't be a battle. So the battle was an indication that, that God was doing something in me, that he was, he, was, he, was, he was living in me. There was a new life in me. And so uh, this next section is Paul's kind of brutally honest uh, description of what this battle looks like as we read... Uh, Verses 14 through 25, or 24, that's what I got up there, 24. Uh, so the trouble is not with the law, for the law is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, but if I know that what I... But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, am I really the one doing wrong? It is the sin living in me that does it. 
I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? C.S. Lewis uh, once said, no one knows how bad he is until he tries to be good. (laughs) Right? When we become one with Christ, the first thing that comes alive in us is a desire to do good, a desire to follow God, a desire to please him. When we, that's, that's what the Holy Spirit desires to bring glory to, to God, to bring glory to Jesus, to bring honor to his name. And so when that Holy Spirit is alive in us, we have that desire that's stirred in us. And uh, when we begin to try and act on that, that is when the battle begins. It's a real battle. <laughs> the war that was waging in, in Paul's mind and that it was waging, that wages in our minds um, as we try and put to death the old man is real. It's a, there's a tug of war that happens in our mind. On the one side, you have this old nature that's aroused by the law to do what is wrong, to, to follow the indulgences of the world. And, and right alongside that old nature are spiritual enemies that, that want nothing more than to steal the joy and the freedom that you received in Christ. And, and so they're pulling on one end of this rope. And on the other end of the rope, you've got your new nature, this new life in Christ. And it desires to go this other way. And alongside of it is the Holy Spirit, the, the very power of God, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is right there with it. And as you imagine this picture of this rope pull, you think, well, then what's the problem? Right? <laughs> I mean, you have the very power of God living in you. What's the problem? Like, God, God wins hands down, right? That's true. That's, that's infinitely true. We can win whenever we choose. But that's where the battle lies. Whenever we choose, uh, he's given us a choice. He's, he, encourages, he encourages us and calls us as his bride to put to death the old nature and to follow him. But the Holy Spirit is not going to drag us. It's not going to drag us in a direction when we're trying to go a different way. When we go and we follow, we, we don't even have to try. We win hands down. But when we are not following, when we're holding on a little bit, maybe we're, we're, we kind of want to go that way, but we don't want to let go of the old man either, like, it, then we can't, it feels hard, it feels tough, but we have to let go. We have to turn and follow, turn and follow. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Galatians 5, verse 16 through 18 says it like this. says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. You have to choose. You have to let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Sinful nature is going this way. The Holy Spirit is going this way. If you are being guided by the Holy Spirit, 
you just you just won't be doing what the sinful nature desires because you're going in the opposite direction. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When we join with Christ to put on his righteousness, we are no, not under the power of the law that condemns us. And we are directed by the spirit. And we're no longer tempted by the law, but rather in the spirit, we are drawn to following the law. We're drawn and led into paths of righteousness. But we don't always allow ourselves to be led. Sometimes the old nature wins. This, this whole battle that's happening is happening in a mind that is a little defective. <laughs> it's got some issues. It's been damaged by bad influences in the past. It's been damaged by bad habits that we've had. Uh, it's been filled with wrong understandings and not, not understanding fully what is truth and what is lie. Um, it needs to be continually transformed and renewed. Uh, the word of God is, is our, our guide that, that washes out, it cleanses out, it helps us to recognize those things that are wrong thinking and helps us to put in the things that are right thinking so that we can do a better job of, of following um, so that we can um, make a better decision. You know, so when we're standing there, we're trying to figure out, you know, right or wrong. And, and when we fully understand the, the truth of God's word and the promises of his word, and, and when we're fully um, aware uh, and, and, and have at the forefront of our mind the, the sacrifice of Jesus and his love for us, it, it becomes easy. You know, when, when that is on your mind, if that is where your mind is and it's just focused on Jesus and his, and his, his purposes and his plans for you and, and, and just all the good that he wants for you, if you follow him, like you, you want to follow him, you, it's easy to make that choice. But when you are not focused on that, when your mind hasn't been renewed or you're, 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 you're allowing your, your thoughts to kind of play in the playground of your mind that is, is off, that, that old man, that old nature, those old habits, all of a sudden it, it becomes like, well, why not just a little bit of that? You know, I do like it. It is fun. Like whatever, whatever the thing may be, um, it, you, you can be tempted to go that way because you're not remembering your love for God. You're not remembering this covenant commitment that you made to him and this life that you chose to live with him because it is going to result in, in good things. I'm going to start running over top of my other notes here in a second. Um, but we have to choose to be led. We forget sometimes that we're joined with Christ, that we're not single anymore. We're not single anymore. We're joined with Christ. We're joined with Christ. We're one with him. We can't live according to that old way. We're committed to Christ. He is our Lord and Savior. He's the head and we're the bride. And it, that, um, and we have to remember that in that covenant that we made in that baptism that we ha had into Christ, we received the Holy Spirit, which results in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all this, this good stuff, 
All this stuff. Who doesn't want love and joy and peace and patience and kindness? Who doesn't want to be filled with that? Who doesn't want self-control? Like there are times where you, like, you don't want to do things and you, <laughs> and you find yourself doing them anyways. Like I want self-control. I want that. I, I don't want to do the things I don't, I don't want to do the things I don't want to do. Does that make sense? It gets kind of confusing. But, but when we keep those things like at the forefront, like that is what we receive in our relationship with Christ when we are one with him. But we are so used to acting in our old life. I mean, it's been many years for, for many of us, you know, and, and to some degree, some of those old patterns have been broken, you know, but in some ways we can be tempted to act according to those old ways again that lead to death and destruction. How do we forget that they didn't lead to anything good? I never felt, never felt like, I never felt good about the things I did. I didn't feel proud of, of the bad things I did. Like it, for some reason, you're tempted to do the things that you know are going to lead to guilt and shame and pain and emptiness. And um, we just, because we're, we're, we're living in that old nature, that, that unrefined, uncleaned, untransformed, unrenewed portion of our mind. And, uh, and we make that, those wrong choices. Um, if we were to turn our eyes on Jesus, follow the Holy Spirit's leading, the rope pull is over. Even, even though we're still tied to the old man, we can walk away like he's not there. Uh, we, we don't even have to pull. The Holy Spirit will do it. Like we can just, we can just follow. We can just follow. When you chase after Jesus, you're automatically fleeing evil. Paul understood the struggle, but he also understood that there is a perfect solution. Going back to Romans uh, 24 and then reading into 25, says, O wretched man am I, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And, and uh, just to emphasize the word Lord there, like, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. If he's not Lord, then you're not following him, you're not submitted to him, and then you don't have the freedom. If he's just Jesus Christ, and he's not your Lord, then there's no freedom in that. You have to make, Jesus Christ has to be your Lord. Um, so then with the mind, I myself, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So you can, you have that choice. You can serve the law of God or you can live in the flesh and it ends up living in sin. Uh, reaching back to chapter Oh, reaching back one chapter, uh, Romans six seventeen through 18. And uh, we read this, I think, before. Uh, thank you. Thank you, God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you, are whole, you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. You have become slaves to righteous living. So we were once slaves to sin, but... We wholeheartedly obey. When we wholeheartedly follow, we become slaves of righteous living. Let's uh, stand and pray. Uh, Lord, I just uh, I thank you. Uh, we sang all these songs about freedom uh, as we led into this time of teaching. Lord, we we recognize, Lord, that we were trapped. We were we were under a system that we couldn't beat. Um, 
it was too hard. It was, it was beyond our ability. We had this curse of sin upon us, uh, this sin nature in us that, that desired the exact opposite that you did, Lord. And you made a way. You made a way for us, Lord. And we, we received you. Uh, we were baptized into your name. Uh, we joined in a covenant with you. We became one with you. We accepted you into our hearts. Uh, we, we desired your Holy Spirit to be alive in us. Uh, we, we join with you. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would continue to renew our minds, that you would continue uh, to help us to live in the truth of your word and not the lies of our old nature. Lord God, that the deception of our of ourself that, that takes your law and causes us to sin would be broken, Lord, and that the lies of the enemy that are spoken to us that tempt us, Lord, would be revealed as just that, lies of the enemy, Lord God, and that we would um, run to you, that we would turn to you, that we would call on your name, Lord, and, and the enemy would vanish. Lord, we know that there is power in your name. There's authority over, over, over the damage of, of our old life, Lord, and over the enemy that tempts us by it, Lord. And we just, uh, we just pray that you would reign in our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we would uh, follow your lead, that we would seek to know what is the path that you have for us, Lord, not just the path of righteousness, Lord God, but, but, uh, but what are the the what is the life that you've called us to that will bring you pleasure that will bring you joy lord cuz we live in humble uh submission to you lord and in desiring to bring joy to our lord to our savior to our redeemer and uh and we just we just honor you we just love you and we we want to continue to seek you and to grow in you lord to seek your face pray this in jesus name Amen. Colossians 3, 5 through 10 says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when, you, when your life was still part of this world, but now... It is time to rid yourself of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. The law is now a guide on who the creator is and how to become more like him. We can put on our new nature and be renewed as we learn to become more and more like him. When you, reading through those, those, those don'ts in there, the, 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 those things that we're not supposed to do, sometimes it can bring you back to the law, like I need to struggle to not do these things, to not do these things, but we are freed from that. We are free to just, Follow Jesus. You don't have to, when you notice those things, you don't, you, you choose not to run to them. You recognize what they lead to, but you just turn and follow Jesus. We don't have to, to fight <clears throat> so hard. We just need to follow so hard. <laughs> just need to follow so hard. And, 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 and we will make mistakes, but the very first 
verse following this section in Romans 8, 1, one of our Romans road verses, that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus our Lord. Those who belong to Christ Jesus our Lord, we belong to him. And so we are in a state of grace. We have a state of grace, but our desire is to please God. Our desire is to bring glory and honor to him. And so uh, put on your new nature. We all wrestle against different things. We, we all, sometimes we can get frustrated with ourselves and those things, and we can be like Paul, where we can say, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You can get frustrated with those things, but Jesus is the answer. Paul knew what the answer was, and Jesus was the answer. He delivered us, and he put his spirit inside of us, and we read, it said, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. Matthew said, or Jesus said in Matthew 16, he says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So let's go being led by the Holy Spirit, leaving the old life behind, choosing to stay faithful to the covenant commitment that we made to Christ, recognizing that that is a greater change, that is a greater oneness than anything that we can experience in this life. Uh, any other union or covenant or commitment you can make is smaller than the covenant with Christ. And sometimes I feel like we think other things are bigger factors than that, but they're not. And when we walk in an understanding of how the magnitude of that covenant that we, we made with Christ and the, the result of it, when we walk in that, um, we'll find that victory over all those things that we struggle with and that we, we can be like, oh, wretched man, <laughs> how can I overcome this? It's in Christ. It's in Jesus. Amen.